Welcome to the Nebraska Abilities Podcast. I am Nate, alongside my co-hosts Zach and Andy. This week we will be discussing the 24-17 end cap to the season uh, win over Iowa in Iowa City. And uh, past that, no other notable news. So we'll just go ahead and get right in. <laughs> <laughs> we... <laughs> We we may have hired a coach or something. Absolutely like, nothing but, else know, happened yeah. after the <laughs> Iowa game. It just the season ended and we went all on our ways. Yep. The true Nebraska way. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. We love it. We love to see it. <laughs> but yeah, we uh, we came out swinging against Iowa. It was a pretty fun game to watch until about honestly the fourth quarter or so <laughs> it really started to get spicy and uh, things started to get a little out of hand but we were up by enough and made just enough plays that we ended up uh, on top 24 17 it was again just a nice way to see the seniors out nice way uh, to end the season as a fan it's it's been a rough one but we were able to kind of go on top at the end of the season and against iowa no less so that was always always a beautiful thing to see and, and so never guess, forget, uh, Nebraska has the better corn. Always, always. At never least in question. for a year. <laughs> At least this year. At least this year. <laughs> well, yeah, I'll go ahead and uh, pass it over to Zach on any of his quick thoughts on uh, the Iowa game. Yeah, for me, uh, I was out. It was a really nice day that... Uh, that weekend that that game was on. So I was actually out golfing with my family for Thanksgiving. Uh, so I only had got to listen to it on the radio. So I got to go back, you know, what felt like 20 years and experienced Nebraska football back in, like in the glory days, which even felt better that we got a win against Iowa. Um, but so I had to go back and watch some of the highlights. So I didn't get to experience it live like you guys did, but there uh, it was actually crazy to see. Cause I know, We've all talked about it, but I think we finally saw what we've been wanting since Mickey took over there near the end or there, you know, for the last few games, uh, which was consistency up until the fourth quarter. <laughs> but, you know, we saw probably the most consistent Nebraska team uh, and they came out and beat Iowa, which was, a big, I think, a big surprise to everybody because Iowa's defense was going to be the, you know, essentially the linchpin. Like if we could beat them, we had a good shot, we thought, but. Their defense was solid enough that we were like, oh, I don't know if we can do it, but they pulled it off. Um, and so, I mean, really my overall quick thoughts are we beat Iowa um, and we ended the year on a high note. Um, we ended the year after that, uh, you know, apparently hiring a new coach as well. I think that may have happened. And, um, you know, kind of kind of riding out a high, a good high wave for, for the most part. Um just to, to end the season, which, you know, the season wasn't great. Everybody thinks everybody knows that, but you know, I think the, I think the outlook looks positive, but we'll get into more of that as we get into this episode, but I'll pass it to Andy. Yeah. So like we've already mentioned, I mean, just beating, you know, I, every year I always look at the schedule and I'm like, if we just beat like Wisconsin and Iowa, like Honestly, you know, I say this and like, I don't care about the rest of the schedule. Like I obviously do. I want Nebraska to win all their games. But at the end of the day, I'm like, if we just have like racking rights over Wisconsin and or Iowa every single year, I mean, that's just like, it's the icing on the cake of what I want to happen uh, with this team. And, 
you know, finally getting a win against Iowa, the first one since 2014, uh, was like just monumental for just any sort of momentum that this program needed heading into at the time, a very uncertain off season, um, as we will get into more, uh, pretty soon. Um, if you've been living under a rock, uh, the past week and a half, um, if you did not know, Matt rule is the new Nebraska head coach. Um, but, you know, at the time of the Iowa game, you know, everything was still kind of uncertain, you know, an hour before kickoff. I mean, just more rumors, more smoke about, you know, Rule was finalizing a deal with Trev um, coming in the coming days after the game, so on and so forth. So obviously the team, you know, playing the game at that time didn't know about that. But just as fans watching get the game, you know, you kind of have that in the back of your mind. But also like, you know, let's support this current team. They have one more game left type thing. And, you know. I think we all just beating Iowa, just, oh, it's just, it's such a euphoric feeling, uh, regardless of how bad this Nebraska team is. And, you know, as we all know it was a bad, <laughs> bad season, bad team still, but, you know, preventing Iowa from going to the big 10 championship was just a great feeling knowing that <laughs> they lost to probably one of the more bad Nebraska teams. I mean, we know last year was bad too, a three and nine Nebraska team, but I still think like last year's team was slightly to a little bit better than this year's team. Um, and what we had said all year, I mean, Casey being healthy and leading this offense just totally changes how the offense looks and runs. Now, obviously Whipple being as stubborn as he is kind of held us back, especially, you know, the second half, uh, more toward the end of the third quarter and definitely the fourth quarter. Um, when that offense kind of went into a shell, but you know, you look at the games that Casey plays versus what he doesn't play. I mean, the team and the offense totally looks like a different identity. Um, but yeah, just beating Iowa, you know, we'll get into the whole, you know, at the time I was always, you know, before everything that we know now came out, uh, about Mickey and we'll touch on that in a little bit, but at, at the end of the game, I was just kind of like, man, you know, for all this team has been through, I mean, Mickey and the staff and all the players, you know, did something that they can be proud of and could hold on to and just making the program and making this team super happy and getting just any sort of momentum going into the off season, I think was like the biggest thing for the program. Um, obviously Trev at the time knew kind of who he wanted to hire, but just as fans, like, there was just so much unknown going into after that game. Like when's the next, well, you know, when, when are the, when is the announcement going to be made? Who's the guy? So on and so forth. And I think just getting that icing on a cake, I mean, you can take that momentum and take that win, even if you have different players into the start of next season with a new coach, new optimism, um, and just slowly start refilling that gallon of Kool-Aid that we all love to chug. Um, it's definitely definitely filling back up because we we needed it because it was running a tad dry uh, throughout the entire season. <laughs> but That's specifically us three, I think there's a lot of people that uh, <laughs> that are not in totally chugging the Kool Aid on on the sorry the Rule Aid. They're not chugging the Rule Aid. It's the Rule Aid now. We can but, I think we can start calling it Rule Aid. <laughs> but I mean, it's official. So he's so head many, coach. There now, are so, so many puns we can use now. I mean, oh, we've so got we got a many. whole off season to come up with some too. <laughs> but we're, we're, yeah. in good, we're good. We're in good spirits right now. Yeah, so. we so we can. Uh, I'll pass it back to Nate. We kind of just quickly go over just uh, offense, defense, special teams of the game. Um, 
just says, you know, I know we have a lot more to touch on with rule and the whole Mickey situation and kind of, you know, the future expectations that we all kind of want from Nebraska going forward. But, you know, at least touch on the last game of the season that we all get to kind of, that's the, uh, the thing that like I, I love going back and watching just season highlights uh, in the off season, just to kind of like get my fill of Husker football void um, as we kind of wait for the season to start. And it's always sucked going past, like, especially these past four years, because it's like, you know, the team ends on a six game losing streak or, you know, three game losing streak or anything like that. And now you can kind of go back and watch like, you know, it was a nice little cherry on top, nice little, you know, just, happy feeling that you can watch these highlights and be like, yeah, that team beat Iowa ends the season on a great win. And that's, that's what I'm looking forward to in the off season, uh, getting my Husker football, uh, fill, but <laughs> with that passes, Nate, we'll just kind of start digging in. We won't dive too much into like, you know, what we want to see out of the team going forward. Cause we have absolutely no idea what that's going to look like, but we can just kind of, uh... <laughs> you sure i'm only a little positive uh right, fine, just fine. kind of go into what we liked from the game what we thought ha- loved happening i mean we can kind of talk about special teams because they did some good and bad things at the same time uh <laughs> but we'll pass that to nate there yeah so i mean look the offense looked competent for uh first time all season maybe if not first time in a long time i mean there were points in that game where i wasn't really worried for casey's safety like the offensive line actually figured out how to block a few guys it was it was strange it was a different team that i was watching it felt like but it was it was a breath of fresh air and it was a great way to kind of end things i guess i wish they would have you know done that whole season but (laughs) (laughs) they got tired of us firing them into the sun apparently (laughs) speaking of we'll get to that later i mean as we we know we know who we're gonna fire into the sun this (laughs) this time around do we though yeah 100 percent. i'm pretty sure this one's i'm pretty sure this one's already written for us (laughs) which is it's not funny but I'll let, you handle, I'll, I'll let you handle that award. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> but still, it was ultimately it was our passing game that really kept us in the game. I mean, just looking stats wise, Casey was 20 for 30, 278 yards and three touchdowns. That is a heck of a stat line. <laughs> that is going to win you most ball games. Um, that was, it was impressive. He, again, was able to spread it around a decent bit. You know, Trey Palmer obviously was the right spot. The kind of go-to guy had the two touchdowns, nine receptions, 165 yards. Like Trey Palmer was doing Trey Palmer things. And it was a beautiful thing to watch. It was almost a uh, redo of the Purdue game, except we actually won this time. So that was good. (laughs) Uh, otherwise rushing was still kind of rough. We had a lot of random Ramirez that turned into not random Ramirez and he ended up leading our rushing or that's, backfield and rushing. That's the one thing that we'll probably never get clarity on because the coaching staff is now gone, uh, is just the, the depth chart of how they handled the running backs this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously AJ Allen getting hurt, you know, he was your clear number two behind Anthony. Uh, yep. but you know, then, Figuring out who the number two was after Anthony was like 
never fully explained, never. I'm sure it was just whoever had the hot hand in practice that week, but I mean, there was no clear, concise way of, okay, this is when Anthony's hurt, like we're going to this guy automatically or anything like that. So that's, we'll never get clarity on who really was the number two running back. Cause it was everybody. <laughs> it was yeah. Gabe. It was Yant. It was Ramir. I, Brody belt. I think at some point too, you know, I just don't, mm-hmm. it was everybody. <laughs> they just rolled the dice and said, ah, uh, you, <laughs> I, I pretty much, I mean, I don't. And I think that kind of just goes back to, uh, what we kind of mentioned all after Mickey or after Scott got fired was like, none of these guys were Mickey's guys that he brought into coach. So I'm, I still believe there was some sort of disconnect between Whipple and Mickey of who really wanted to do what and how they did it. Um, it, you can't convince me that there's not, there wasn't some sort of disconnect because especially when Casey got hurt too. I mean, how they handled the QB situation too was like, bizarre obviously we know that none of our backups were good so <laughs> i guess that's if we figured out anything that was it <laughs> but yeah i you know if ramir stays he stays and we keep using random ramirness until he's not random anymore i don't <laughs> yeah i have no idea how that's gonna evolve yeah and it was just kind of strange because it went from you know ramir had 12 for 52 and then anthony grant had 14 for six so there's a quite a significant drop off and uh and then ramir had the fumble and what the third fourth quarter and i was like oh Mm -hmm. my god this is this is it this is how it starts this is how we lose (laughs) (laughs) but i think that goes back to you know he didn't get i mean yeah he got a lot of playing time last year but like that was last year. This year, when you don't get enough playing time, I mean, that was probably the most rushing attempts he had all season. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's like, it's okay. almost like, you know, getting your first game jitters out of you. I mean, that's, it was going to happen at some point. It's just, you know, hope it wasn't backbreaking and it almost was backbreaking. Mm-hmm. Yep. And yeah, luckily, luckily it didn't, but uh, there was definitely, I was right there with you when uh, he fumbled that ball. I was like, oh, yeah, this is, this is how it all starts. So, <laughs> Luckily, again, we made enough plays down the stretch to uh, pull out the win, but <laughs> we, uh, we sure knew how to make it uh, entertaining, I guess, for lack of a better term. Because, <laughs> yeah, that fumble happened at about the six-minute mark in the fourth quarter. But Nebraska, that entire fourth quarter went punt, fumble, punt, punt, and then the kneel at the end of the game. So, I mean, that's just kind of another testament to what we've seen all season is Nebraska gets some sort of a lead and then the offense just goes into a shell. Because, I mean, Iowa, you know, you gave Iowa life by not scoring and giving the ball back. Because Iowa did not do anything until pretty much like the fourth quarter is when they started to finally look good. And I was like, oh, you know, offense, you've been doing it all game. Just keep driving the ball. And they just kind of went into a shell. Uh, But I think the first thought I had, I think everybody, you know, we don't root for injuries. And we definitely didn't want Petrus to be hurt. (laughs) Because I know I said, one key to the game last week was you make Spence like you make him throw the ball. Like you beat Iowa. If you make Petrus throw the ball 
and it worked because he started out like oh for five or one for six before he got hurt and i was like man this is exactly how you beat iowa is you make them throw the ball and it started to work until he got hurt and i was like no because <laughs> we've seen clearly happen against minnesota too is if you hurt their starting quarterback the backup is clearly better for the other team and we make them look better <laughs> nebraska making backups look like brady I'm telling <laughs> you god let's hope that changes let's hope that changes but you know, it was just that's oh. been the MO for the past few years. <laughs> it was just a sinking thought. I was like, oh, nobody wanted Petrus to get hurt because you knew you had a better shot to do more damage if he was in the game starting quarterback for you. <laughs> that is like how much I don't think I've ever rooted for a starting quarterback to be in the game than I did that game. <laughs> Maybe Graham Mertz, because I knew Graham Mertz also wasn't good until he had his Heisman drive against us, but. I was just one of those like, man, you make Petrus throw the ball. And he, those five, six passes that he threw incomplete were so off. I was like, oh, this is how he's going to throw the ball. Like, you know, scourge definitely by 90. (laughs) (laughs) And we were on pace until we decided to not do anything. Yeah. (laughs) You know. That is uh, unfortunately how it goes sometimes. <laughs> we did we did put up a heck of a fight. I mean, you know, we were up twenty four to nothing at one God. point in the third quarter. And it's like you you hope you just keep the foot on the gas at that point, and unfortunately we couldn't. Um, and I imagine Iowa probably made some adjustments at halftime to mm-hmm. kind of compensate for that, play a little better defense, key on some of our weaknesses. But it was a little. A little disappointing to see that we couldn't quite, uh, you know, finish out on as high of a note as I feel like we could have. But right, still got the W, so we'll we'll see. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'll go ahead and pass it over to Zach on any of his thoughts on uh, offense or anything, anything with the Iowa game. I'm just gonna kind of sum up the game myself for me because, like I said, I didn't get, to, I only got to watch highlights and had to listen to it, which I should had to listen, made it sound like it was bad. But, um, <laughs> you know, when you're out golfing, sometimes you don't hear everything. So it was it was like trying to put the pieces together from what I heard to what I saw. So mm-hmm. it was like, eh. so um, but for me, uh, it was ironic because I think this might have been the first time. Nah, it's not the first time, but I I fully believed as I was watching highlights and listening to the game, I was like, the defense will not lose us this game. I mean, yes, event like they could have, and you know they gave up 17 points there in the in the back half. But the defense was not what was scaring me about um, losing the game. They were holding their own for most of the game, um, and then finally, when Nebraska offense went into their shell, and the defense was like, "Oh crap, we got to go back out there again." It's like, well, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. it turns out when you actually hold on to the ball and can you know move it and. Uh, not give them them the ball turns out that you know if you give your defense some rest you give them a chance to you know rest and get ready for when they have to come back out and also you know maybe change up some of their schemes and stuff i mean i don't i don't know what necessarily it was on the sidelines specifically but um the offense from like i said putting all of it together um great first half uh and then (coughs) normal nebraska second half i guess i mean it's kind of it's the offense was the epitome of tale of two halves where ironically enough 
in the past few games that we've seen from Nebraska, usually it's the second half where Nebraska suddenly gets their stuff together and decides, oh, okay, now we're going to come and play when they're down by like two or three scores. So it's like, okay, <laughs> I guess let's make this interesting. Um, but no, this time they knew what they were doing in the first half, and then I guess at halftime they decided to take what they were doing and throw that out the window. <laughs> so, and I understand, I understand like when you're up 24, nothing, you know, they want to play conservative. And I think that's what they were essentially attempting to do, but mm-hmm. Nebraska just isn't the team. I think they weren't, I should say they weren't the team that can play totally conservative. Like we see, you know, like you see good NFL and good college football teams do where they can run and just run and run. They can have a 12-yard drive or 12-yard, 12-play drive mm-hmm. that spans 75 yards. Uh, it may not even, it may not end in a, a field goal or a touchdown or anything, but, you know, they killed eight minutes off the clock. And I think that's what Nebraska was trying to do, but obviously they, I, I don't think they have the piece, had the pieces there to do it. Obviously, with the the off season upon us now, a lot of stuff's going to change. But um, uh, the the greatest thing I think the highlight for me was probably special teams. Outside of the one, was it a goofy punt? Uh, the best not field the, goal. Not you mean? the not the muffed punt. The one that there was like a really bad punt or something. Am I missing something? Uh, what? I'm sure there was one bad putt in there. I don't remember it. Mm-hmm. Timmy, Timmy, on our notes, we have uh, first kicking blunder of the year is a big one from Timmy. Yeah, that was the missed field was. goal. Oh, yeah. the missed field goal. Oh, yeah, because no. Nebraska went 10 plays uh, up to, you know, the 32-yard field goal that he missed. And I it was like, oh, crap. Like, this, if we're missing those field goals, like, this is... Yeah. yeah, we're gonna lose the game. Yep, sorry. It was it was the muffed punt and the the field goal that I was mixing up. That's yeah. That's on me. No, that the kicking the blunder was on us. Yeah, because it was a thirty yeah thirty two yard field goal that Bleak Road missed, and I was like, oh god, here we go. Like this is how the game is gonna go. <laughs> okay, well, especially yet yeah, when your offense comes out first series and like gets you into scoring position, but yeah. yeah. Okay, well, I got that was, cleared up then. <laughs> he was briefly on the fire end of the sun list. He, he was very briefly. Briefly. Yes. <laughs> and um, then he made it up uh, two drives later when he made a uh, 21-yarder. <laughs> yep. But, <laughs> he didn't miss that one, so he he, he got off the list. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, uh, my, my overall thoughts, though, totally. I think the special teams outside of that, and, I mean, missed field goals. I, I think I've said this before, but it just seems weird that in the past, like, I don't know, three, four years that like kicking just hasn't been as automatic as I remember it ever being like now it seems like blocked kicks and missed field goals are so common. It's not common, but so much more common. And then, you know, five, 10 years ago, I remember like in high school and whatnot, like that was when you go to grab a drink or that's when you go to the bathroom because it's like, oh, it's another kick. Like it's a field goal that's within 30 yards. Like, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. most kickers at that point apparently were just really good. So mm-hmm. Granted, we were we had also had Alex Henry and the like at that point too, so it was like we didn't really have much to complain about then. Mm-hmm. So maybe we've just been unspoiled from being spoiled a while back. But I probably that. <laughs> it's a lot of it, I'm sure. Very spoiled for a long time with always yeah. having a good kicking game. I mean, Alex Henry, the Koch brothers, they were both punters, mm-hmm. uh Drew Brown, Sam Fultz. I mean, we were extremely spoiled with how many 
good specialists we had for quite some time. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, Mahler, too. I mean, How could we forget? Zerloin? Ah. Well, Zerloin didn't play with us, but, you know, he's from Nebraska, but either way. I mean... <laughs> Maher. Maher is, though. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and yeah. And they're still playing well. Still playing. So, I mean, yeah. Like, yeah. We were Unfortunately, I think he's for the Cowboys now, which sucks, but whatever. <laughs> uh, unless you have him in fantasy football like I do, then he's yeah, a really fair, good kicker. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> anyway, no. Then I think overall, um, for me, you know, the offense... Taylor, well, offense did what they needed to get it done. Uh, it was a little scary at the end there, but they did it. Uh, defense, honestly, no real big complaints. I mean, outside of the, I don't blame the defense players for this one. Um, the tight, the the one play we knew they were going to run, the tight end special. You know, like come on, you got to scheme for it, and I'm sure Bush did, but mm-hmm. um, you know. The defense, if if we would have lost, the defense wouldn't have been the reason that we lost the game in my head. Uh, right. Like, yes, like when you look at it statistically, yes, obviously they would have because, you know, obviously they gave up the points for them to win. But my point mm-hmm. being is that the defense played well enough all throughout the game. They didn't do it. And special teams came up with some huge recovery. Uh, was it just, yeah, they came up with, a lot of good plays um, outside two, the missed field goal. Two strip sacks. The other fumble recovery was off the muff punt. Yep. And then the interception two and the game. So, yeah. I mean, defense and special teams showed up. And they mm-hmm. and I think, I honestly think, if I remember correctly, I think there was a, a quote by Garrett Nelson that said, this one just felt, after the game, he said, going into it, it just felt different and like the one they needed to get. Uh-huh. And I think this game was the perfect culmination of that. It's like Nebraska has not been good for a decade ish. And we like, we needed some kind of hope going into uh-huh. the weekend because we knew we were, we at the point that the game had started, I think we knew that Matt rule was hired. Right. Cause that was more, on game day. Right. More than, or yeah. Cause it happened. It was like Saturday morning, morning at like 9 a.m. or something. 9 a.m. Yes. And we'll get yeah. into that because Tripp's a genius for that. But Right. But basically it was announced, I think it was before the Iowa game. Or I or sorry, it was it was during because I remember getting the ESPN. Yeah. Alert. The, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. The rumor okay. that he was finalizing a deal happened right before kickoff. Yep. Yep. It's been it's been a long week and a half, it feels like. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> and so that you know, that all goes together. And so I think us going out with the W, even if it wasn't the greatest game we've ever played, I think it's what Nebraska needed. And mm-hmm. I think the players felt that. I think the coaches felt that, even if they're not here anymore or not going to be here anymore. I think just a collective sigh of relief in the weirdest way, because we still went four and eight. It's not like we have any kind of thing to play for at this point, um, other than next year. But I think a collective sigh of relief came from the Nebraska fan base where we all kind of said, okay, maybe now the tide is turning. But I don't know. Um, And I know I said I was going to quick sum that up. That was way longer than it needed to be. But I'll pass (laughs) it to Andy and we can uh, move on from the Iowa game. Yeah. uh, Well, a couple couple quick thoughts to finish up the Iowa game for me. Uh, I mean, anytime you force four turnovers in a game. I know one of them was to end the game, which still helps because you win the game. But I mean, you just, that was a four to one turnover ratio. And I mean, that's, 
you're more than likely going to win most of your games, if not all of your games, when you're forcing at least two turnovers a game. I mean, that's huge. The defense came out and, you know, finally proved that, you know, we knew this offense, Iowa, was not the best, even from the beginning of the year. Um, I got a little nervous because they did start looking better leading into that game. And I was like, okay, you know, maybe they're starting to finally click and, you know, realize it maybe too late in the season. But uh, defense showed up, shelled out. Uh, Just overall, I mean, you couldn't ask for just a better defensive, like, momentum game and just performance to, you know, win you the game, essentially. Uh, Yeah, the... The muff punt was just like, I have, I've always wondered why Garrett Nelson is always on special teams. I'm like, why would you put your, like one of your best defensive linemen edge rushers on special teams? And just to see him kind of chug after that ball on special teams and get the muff punt. I was like, good for him. He needs that. <laughs> and then, yeah, even on the strips out when he picked it up and started running, I'm like, oh my God, if Garrett gets this like touchdown, I think he's just going to spike it into the wall and I think he's going to take the flag. (laughs) He's got like, he has got like, to me, Gronk energy vibes of just like this big dude that just loves to just like celebrate every single big play. Now he's probably smarter than Gronk. I think we all can probably agree with that, (laughs) Uh, but that's what Garrett gives off to me. And I feel like, oh man, if he scores that touchdown on the strip sack, I mean like that ball is going going out of the stadium. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> now hold hold on if if we let's let's remember that comment that garrett nelson is smarter than gronk because if garrett nelson is making um usaa commercials in like 10 years i am 100 percent coming back to talk about that well don't get me wrong it's a great business decision for gronk but i'm gonna laugh and be like okay we were on to something at that point like we knew yes. what we were talking about <laughs> yeah. putting a pin in you that one <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, overall defense played well. Um, knowing what we know now with the offense, uh, Trey Palmer, I mean, just a great, great end of the game season for Trey Palmer and getting his draft stock up. I mean, that's two touchdowns, a long touchdown, uh, over a hundred yards catching. I mean, just a good, good way for Trey to end this, uh, season and career at Nebraska. And, you know, we all, obviously we want him to do well in the NFL, uh, cause I, you know, as much as you know Mickey and everything that's happened with him, I mean, he's still a product of Mickey Joseph being coached as a wide receiver, and I've, we know the two diamonds in the NFL, Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. I mean, I'm sure Trey's looking at that too. I'm like, man, that's probably hopefully going to be me one day, just another Mickey Joseph wide receiver product. So, uh, you know, it sucks that he's not going to come back this year. As much as we would have loved him to come back, I don't can't fault him for that. We all kind of probably had a feeling that he was gonna go uh even he broke if, he broke the record correct yeah yeah he broke yeah. the single season yeah. receiving yard record over stanley morgan who is with the Bengals currently when that officially happened that was the sign i was like yeah he's going to the nfl yeah. even and if i'm, was I'm not saying hit. that he i'm not saying he couldn't have done it again next year mm-hmm. but with everything that you know we kind of felt with the tide turning you know no one knows and when people were already speculating that, oh, that's not a good sign for Mickey, mm-hmm. especially what we know now, right. it's like, you know, all all in regards, like, you know, good for Trey, like, but, obviously, go kill it in the NFL. And he is he's an example of the transfer portal, um, just 
you know, being able just to find just some sort of diamond in the rough transfer portal, uh, portal talent player coming here for one year, breaking the single season receiving record at Nebraska and then going to the NFL. I mean, that's as much as you want him to stay longer. I mean, that's the idea of the portal is you go somewhere to better yourself for a year or two, and then you go on to the NFL and Trey is just a nice prime example of that as well. If you want to, if you want an even better example that mm-hmm. worked out for us last year, look at Samari Toure. Yep. He's mm-hmm. currently, I wouldn't, say, I wouldn't say he's killing it in the NFL because green Bay is not the greatest team in the world this year, but <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's starting. Sorry, Abby. If you're listening, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm not watching that game when they played the Eagles. That was a little heart wrenching the whole time until we officially got the win. But uh, regardless, I I mean, he's doing really well at Green Bay. Yes, And not only that, he's playing with Aaron Rodgers, which as much as I don't care for the guy as a like a a person uh, as a quarterback, he's fantastic. Well, right. He has been. I, I think he's a little off this year, but whatever. But. Anyway, <laughs> I just I think, you know, you have finish you up the Iowa game. Uh, I know I don't remember the exact text I sent you guys that night, but I was just like, you know, this was all before we knew what happened with Mickey <laughs> for context. But I kind of said something along the lines of like, you know, for every everything that, you know, Mickey's been through, the players been through this entire season. And for us, I mean, just to get that kind of win and going out on top, beating Iowa was probably like not the best thing in the world, but it's definitely up there of like more, the better moments in recent Nebraska history. Um, It's just, it was such a nice way to just go out on top and uh, just, yeah, like I said, beating Iowa is never not going to be fun. I mean, that is just, (laughs) that is just so, it's so easy to just dig on Iowa and we love it. And just beating them, you can finally like, yes, we have this for a whole year uh, just to keep that over their heads. But with that, we'll just kind of, kind of transfer into, I think we'll just address the uh, Mickey Joseph drama here before we get into the new era of Nebraska football that is uh, Matt Rule, but also we're going also- to get the we're going to get the downer news out of the way before yeah. we get to the the, the positive before news. before the optimism that'll end uh, the final episode of this season. Uh, but again, if you've also been living under a rock, uh, even leading up to what happened, I mean, there was all sorts of speculation of is Mickey going to stay? You know, what's going to happen with him? Is he going to be offered? Uh, the same job if he doesn't where is he gonna go so on and so forth and then i think it was like five or four thirty-five o'clock somewhere on wednesday that i'd started seeing on twitter of like an omaha journalist saying like you know you know there's been a major arrest within the nebraska football program we'll get you details lpd is going to release something um in the next 30 or so minutes or whatever and I remember looking at like all the comments and seeing like everybody's like, oh, it's Mickey. It's something to do with Mickey. So on and so forth. And my heart started to sink a little bit. And I was like, like, oh, crap. You know, what did he do? And I think I remember Nate sent that tweet from Priscilla a couple days before something about like the truth will set you free or whatever was like some sort of cryptic tweet. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to go check and see what's up. And, you know, I tried to look and it said that her Twitter account has 
deleted. And I was like, oh, this is not good. That if all these Mickey comments are rude, true, and, and so on and so forth. And, you know, I think 30 minutes later, the release, the report got released that, you know, Mickey was, I don't remember the exact charge, but he was just arrested for strangulation and, you know, third degree domestic assault. Uh, I think it was domestic. It was either domestic violence or domestic well, abuse in the third degree and with with strangulation. Uh, yeah. I know yes. it was I was domestic something in the third degree of strangulation and third degree domestic assault. Yeah. Um, so I think kind of right then and there, uh, you know, we don't I don't want to speculate too much on what happened. Um, you know, it's you can just go on Twitter if you're really curious. The whole affidavit report is out there, which uh, generally. I don't know how much the public usually sees of those. Our lawyer friends that listen would know a lot more about that. <laughs> but uh, you never want to make assumptions. And the whole, I mean, the whole situation is just sad. I mean, that's just like the one word I keep coming back to is it's just sad. It's sad for him. It's sad for, you know, whoever was involved. Um, we just, you know, they're never going to release the victim's name, but you can put two and two together of, you know, if it's domestic, it's usually probably going to be a wife or a partner, spouse relation somewhere to the Mickey. So, you well, know, you whoever, just, uh, whoever it is, you know, thoughts out to them. Right. Like, it's regardless. The whole just, thing is just sad. And then, you know, kind of looking forward from that is, you know, it kind of answered all our questions of how Mickey's future at Nebraska and uh, technically. You know, his contract was set to expire at the end of this month, um, just through the university. Um, so he technically is still a paid employee, but Trev came out and said, like, yeah, we'll put him on administrative leave. I don't know if they're just going to, like, just let put him on leave until the contract expires and then obviously not renew it and just let it expire. Or if they're going to terminate it, that's a whole other logistics issue. But uh, he's still technically a part of the Nebraska football staff. Um, but I mean, outside of that, I mean, rule Matt rule had said, like he was planning to meet with Mickey on Wednesday. And obviously that meeting didn't happen knowing what we know now. Um, so it's just kind of like, a, it's just sad that, you know, somebody in his position, he, I mean, you know, he pretty much, the sky was the limit for him and his career going forward. And now it's just, it's all. You know, I want to speculate if it's all gone, but, you know, just looking at it right now, it's pretty much gone of what he could do coaching wise, so on and so forth. And, you know, it's it's just sad because who knows what Matt Rule had planned with that meeting and what was going to happen or anything. But uh, whatever it was, not going to happen anymore. Uh, but, yeah, I don't have much more to say about that. I mean, underlying point is just, it's sad um, that, you know, everybody, yeah, it's sad for everybody involved. Um, but you, you live with the consequences and that's pretty much the bottom line is he has to live the rest of his life with what he did. So, and, but yeah, that's pretty much it. And I think the fallout, the fallout to us from a player wise and recruitment wise, I don't think is shocking at all. I think we, I think even if this didn't happen and Mickey didn't get an offer 
job back to Nebraska. I think the players that left and recruits that decommitted from Nebraska probably still would have happened. Whether Mickey, you know, they might have stayed if Mickey was on the staff and none of that happened. But I think if Mickey wasn't even offered to be on staff, I think the players that did leave and decommit probably still would have happened anyways. Um, but that's just my own personal thought um, for just seeing how many that like decommitted and, you know, opened up recruitment or left to the transfer portal and all that. But uh, it's more, I'll probably stop talking about that. Uh, I'll pass it to you guys. If you have any other uh, thoughts you want to chime in on the situation or whatnot. It's tough. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I was waiting for Nate to say something and I, I, I could tell we were both just looking at like, oh, what do we say? Um, I mean, regardless, it just sucks. I mean, because now I think, and I, I, I don't want this to just become, I don't want my point that I'm going to say to be like, Oh, all he cares about is football. No, because I don't like, obviously, like I said already, like <clears throat> life is bigger than football. Life is bigger than day. football. And again, whoever the, whoever the victims are, you know, all of our thoughts go out to them. Obviously I'm speaking for you guys, but mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think you disagree with me. Um, but it's, it's now we're going to also just have this. What if, like, what if that didn't happen and what, you know, what if he was retained or what if? And I, I I'm not going to sit here and live on what ifs by any means, but <clears throat> who knows what, you know, and we don't, we also still don't know who our current, wide receiver coach is going to be. I mean, we're making total speculations now that it's not going to be Mickey, but I guess there's a chance that it still might be. But unfortunately, um, if, if being married to a lawyer has taught me anything is that, uh, you know, even while the courts still have time to decide and do their thing, uh, the court of public opinion just doesn't care. And Mickey's, uh, outlook. I don't think he's done coaching. I don't think he's going to be done coaching. Um, I mean, we've had stories like this in the past from other coaches, not Nebraska specifically, just in general in the college football uh, landscape. And, you know, people find work elsewhere. I mean, it it happens. Um, Obviously, in order for that to probably happen, he'll have to go through some, I don't know if rehab is the right word, but some kind of some kind of program to to get back to whatever normal is, or I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of shoot. I'm kind of spitting out of my butt here, but um, I, regardless, it's just unfortunate that we even have to talk about it because again, I think after the win against Iowa, there was so much hype because, mm-hmm. and I say so much hype as in, I think there was a, a good level of hype because which we'll get into after this to kind of bring the mood back up. Um, you know, I, I think with rule coming on, I think a lot of people were like, oh, you know, I think, you know, he might keep Mickey because, um, part of the deal with bringing Matt rule on is, uh, the Panthers help pay for his contract so that he has a pretty good, uh, amount of money for his assistant pool. And so we're like, ah, you know, that kind of matches up. Like let's keep Mickey because he's a really good players coach. And I think that's the part that really kills me is he's really good for the players, but you know, look at, (laughs) look at now, like, is he like, I don't know. You know, my parents always taught me the one thing as a male is you don't put your hand on a woman, like, sorry, in that way. So it's like, 
watching somebody that I actually respected coming through the program and finishing out the year the way he did and thinking, you know, he might not be here at Nebraska next year, and that's okay. Um, but he's got a bright future ahead of him. Only to see that, that was just like, I don't know, it's tough. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, now we're now that we're going back through it, it's like, man, I just kind of wish it didn't happen. I mean, it's, just, it's yeah, I it's hard to look back at like the post came comments after Iowa, the, you know, press conference Monday for Matt rule, like even Saturday when the announcement was like everybody thinking Mickey, respecting Mickey, you know, I think Trev said at the press conference, it's like, you know, I had respect for Mickey, you know, when he took the interim job, I have even more respect now for what he did. And then, you know, two days later that happened. It's just like, man, you know, you, you have so much to so many nice things to say about Mickey and what he did during the season and what he had to go through. And, and then this happens and you're just like, you know what? It's like, what do you even do? Uh, You know, you, you said all these things and then, you know, just somebody, somebody makes a very bad, poor decision. And then all of a sudden everything you just said to credit that person is just like gone. Um, But yeah, I, I get the feeling. It's just, it's like hopelessness of, it's yeah a crappy situation for everybody but i mean with that i mean it happened you know and as huskers we got to move on which is funny because i have a, a comment that i want to allude to with you know the matt rule press conference so um i'll give it to nate because i know i think I, I don't know if you have any additional comments you wanted to make but um we can kind of circle back around so yeah, no, nothing, nothing too much different from what you guys have said. Um, it was definitely just a tough, tough situation. I mean, he was a guy that a lot of just Nebraskans kind of looked up to, and I'm sure a lot of kids, players were looking up to. And it's it's tough to see someone that's a role model like that just kind of completely throw everything to the wind in that way, and. Um, yeah, you just you never want to see it and it's you your heart goes out to the victims, whoever they might be. Uh if you're ever in that situation, go to the gym, go for a run. Just not that way. There's go do literally anything else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like even just go take a drive. I understand Lincoln traffic is terrible, but like mm. <laughs> that's better than that. Yeah. Yep. And so it's overall just disappointing to hear a guy that we all, I feel like a lot of people, everyone within the state of Nebraska just thought was a really stand up guy and mm-hmm. was going to be a, just a really good uh, leader of young men. And just to see that news come out was just heart wrenching. And so, uh, yeah, again, heart goes out to the victims. Hopefully they're doing okay. Hopefully they can, uh, get through this process as best they can mm-hmm. obviously their lives will be a lot different uh in a lot of senses but hopefully they are they will have the strength to kind of carry on and continue continue living so but with that we can get into the exciting news of matt rule hired as the nebraska head coach Let's chug the roulade, boys. <laughs> not 30. to not to not to take away from what we talked about, but you know, let's right. let's end this thing on let's mm-hmm. end this thing on a good note. Thirty first, 
I think 31st, coach, yeah. yeah, 31st coach in program history. But yeah. uh, 9 a.m. on a Saturday. That's <laughs> I remember waking up and I was just kind of sitting in bed. I just turned on game day just because it's what I usually do on Saturday mornings of college football and scrolling through Twitter. And then I'm starting to see like just some uh, the local media, like, you know, look for this to drop so on and so forth. And I'm like, oh, man, it's just like, is this spoke now a fire? Is this is like, is this what we're getting to now? <laughs> And then uh, Nebraska football, like their official account, dropped the, you know, official news that Matt Rule was hired. Uh, yeah, 9 a.m. on a Saturday. And I know I eventually it took me about a couple of minutes to figure it out. But I was like, Trev is a marketing genius. Uh, I'm pretty sure Matt Rule did like a like a FaceTime interview correct. or something with mm-hmm. game day that morning. Correct. Too. And so, that's like Trev. You know, he could have waited till Sunday during NFL like he did with uh, Scott's firing. Because, I mean, he dropped that news at like, what, 11 a.m. on a Sunday before kickoff for Sunday night or uh, Sunday. For, I think it was the first week of NFL, too. And I was like, no, that the Scott Frost news or wait, you're talking with him fired, fired. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I thought you meant when he got hired. I was like, no, no that was during Moose. his bowl game. <laughs> that was Bill Moose. <laughs> we don't talk about that name. No, but like, yeah, when Scott got fired, I was like, you know, before kickoff on the first week of NFL football, I was like, man, good for you. Way to get some attention on the first week of NFL football. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's smart because then at that point I had to get like my laptop off because I had one game on one TV on kickoff, one screen on big noon kickoff. And I was like, Trev is a genius because both shows talked about it. The hiring during that was the game, the day of the Michigan Ohio state game too, when they were both there at Ohio. And I was like, man, you get, you get your, like you get two prime time kickoff shows to talk about your hiring on the day of Michigan, Ohio state and get game day to get Matt rule to FaceTime in on your show. Like a plus timing Trev. I mean, that's just, like I yeah it's just a genius move that and we knew Trev is like a very marketed like TV savvy guy like we knew this was going to happen it was just when and how was Trev going to do it and 9 a.m. as the kickoff shows were getting go I'm like good for you Trev that's good way to get two program like two shows to talk about your school on <laughs> probably the biggest college football game of the year. <laughs> I will maintain that a lot of people, and I, I understand why like athletic directors, you know, live and die by their hires at this point. But even if Matt rule doesn't work out mm-hmm. with the way that Trev has handled things just in general, mm-hmm. I think he deserves to stay now. Granted, I think what's going to be the real linchpin there is not necessarily the Matt rule hire. I think the Fred Hoiberg thing, which is basketball, but you know, I think he's got a bit more to prove, but I mean, obviously, you know, with Nebraska basketball beating Creighton, woohoo, by the way, his yeah, seat got yeah, a little pretty cool. <laughs> I, uh, I, I think Trev deserves a little bit longer of a rope than uh, previous. Uh, oh, yeah. Scott. So oh, yeah. anyway, that was my only uh, point. Yeah. So, I mean, outside of that, I mean, then you have the entire college football day to talk about, you know, Nebraska hiring their coach, so on and so forth. Um, and then you get the press conference that coming Monday, you know, get the whole introduction fanfare. Uh, and, you know, I think we had all said somewhere during this coaching search, I mean, you don't, 
I mean, he definitely, Matt Rule, I think we've all stated, was not your home run fire, home run hire. He wasn't your sexy hire. He was just almost just a guy. He was a hire that I think what I've said is like a hire that Nebraska needed over what they wanted. And, you know, look at the wants, um, you know, Fickle was probably a top of our list no matter what time of the coaching church that we all wanted. But Trev kind of explained like, you know, Matt rule is the guy that Nebraska needs right now. And I think I, from what was available and what could have happened, I think that was the correct hire that Trev did make. Um, you know, rule kind of fluctuated on our coaching list all year of, you know, is he at the top? If he's somewhere in the top three, the middle of the pack, so on and so forth. But he was always a name that kind of kept showing up on our list as we went throughout this coaching search. Um, but yeah, I, I think it was the correct hire that Nebraska needed at this moment in time. Um, Cause you needed someone that has a proven record of building programs. And I know the point that I, I saw online is like, you know, why he failed at Carolina, you know, so on and so forth. I mean, you take away the NFL aspect of Matt rule. And he is a really, really good college coach. Uh, and the like the two examples I always give that when people ask me is like, you look at Saban and Harbaugh, you know, obviously, you know, they're very much outliers in this situation because of what they have done. But both went to the NFL, failed at the NFL, came back to college and are now the top programs in the country right now. Uh, Saban failed at Miami. Harbaugh failed at San Francisco. And then they come back to college and they, you know, are proven that they're better college coaches. And that's just, you know, some people are built for college. Some people are built for NFL. Um, and I think I had mentioned this yesterday too. the Jamie Chapel hire, who was also kind of a name that, you know, popped up on our list. It's like, we all thought that he would probably go to a power five school at some point and he's going to Liberty from coastal Carolina. So it's the same situation. It's like some guys are built for power five. Some guys are built for group of five. You can almost apply that to Scott. I mean, Scott might be a group of five coach rather than a power five coach. Um, so, you know, it's not one is always not for everybody else. And, you know, I'm hoping we're right with Matt rule is maybe he, the NFL is not for him, but he is a really, really good college coach. Um, you know, you just look at what he did at temple, what he did at Baylor. Um, you know, I'm not saying that our first season will be one at 11. It also could be one at 11 next year. Um, if, you know, proven history keeps on track with how Matt Rule starts his first seasons. But, you know, it just even in a short amount of time by year three, you know, he has those programs at 10 win seasons um, playing for bowl games that are ranked and all that. Um, so I'm sure Trev took that into consideration, too, is, you know, we got to get a hire that it's got to be someone that is going to be here to help us build what we need and lay the foundation for what we need. In case Matt Rule does go on to somewhere else, the foundation is set for like a Luke Fickle to come in. Because I think what I told you guys is, you know, Fickle is not, I don't think he is a coach that is a rebuild coach. I think he is like a plug and play coach like Urban was or like, you know, what Ryan Day probably is. Is he's a coach that you just plug into a program just to coach because your current coach went somewhere else. I don't, that's much as we would have loved Luke Fickle here because that rumor was almost almost true and it's i'm pretty sure he was like second on the list correct it was like it was and matt rule and then luke fickle fickle yeah 
And I'd be willing to bet. I'd be willing to bet there was some some actual fire behind. Oh, that probably. Too. And knowing that he did leave Cincinnati to go to Wisconsin, it's almost like man, there was a real probably good shot that Luke Fickle could be the current coach too. But you know, I I still go by the fact that you know rule is what Nebraska needs at this current moment, and it's just. We like we look at what I started out. You didn't. He's not the home run hire. He's not the sexy hire. He's just the hire that I didn't think we didn't need somebody to win the press conference. But boy, did he win the press conference! <laughs> Off season champs like seven years in a row, baby. Here we go. All I was expecting out of that press conference was just like you know, <laughs> what's your vision here? What do you want to do? What do you want to see this program? And everything he said, I was like, oh, my God, like, just keep keep pouring the chuck, like, keep pouring the Kool-Aid <laughs> down my throat. Just keep doing it because I am eating all of this up. And he he unintentionally won the press conference by far. And I think I saw a lot of people say that on Twitter, too. It was like, man, what he said is just like everything that the Nebraska program brand wants to hear. Um. Didn't someone, (laughs) this just, it just hit me when you said that. Didn't someone edit his Wikipedia page to 2022, Nebraska (laughs) want to know off season. And then 2023 was zero and zero with a star, like still in progress. I thought that was hilarious. Like somebody was on top of that after it happened. Like that was amazing. It was fantastic. The one quote that I wrote down that I really, or I guess there's two quotes, uh, the first one was, I probably, I think someone had probably asked him about like the rebuild and his exact quote was like, it will be hard. It may take time, but we will get it done here. And I think that's just, that's what Nebraska needs right now is like, you need someone that is going to be dedicated to help build this back to where it was. And knowing what we know, what happened with Scott, obviously his heart, his intentions, leadership wasn't as all in as we were led to believe. Um, so rule made that evidently clear that that is what he wants to do and what Nebraska needs to do. The other thing was, you know, you uh, of kind of how he wanted his team to look is you win games at the line of scrimmage. And that is a hundred percent what the big 10 is outside of Ohio state and their spread. And it's also another interesting thing to look with Wisconsin is I don't know how much Wisconsin's going to stick to what they've been doing for 20 years now that Fickle's there, because Fickle is definitely not a I-formation run-the-ball guy. He is definitely a spread offense. So I just have a question, though. Mm-hmm. Matt Rule said that, and for the past, like, I don't know, five, six weeks, we've said the offensive line needs to be fired into the sun. <laughs> and then he comes and says that at his press conference. Is Matt Rule a confirmed listener of the Nebraska Abilities podcast? He he had a lot of off-season time Some sitting in say. Carolina. I mean, <laughs> I mean, he was. I'm not saying he work. is, but I'm also not saying he isn't. <laughs> no, but, maybe maybe he's like these three guys know what they're talking about, and then <laughs> we're, we're going to be like, no, <laughs> go with your gut, not us. That was my other that was my other quote that stood out to me. It was like that is exactly what Nebraska needs right now is we this entire this past season proved that you have you can have talent at receiver, quarterback, running back, tight end. 
does not matter if you have no line. Uh, Casey getting hurt is obviously a product of a defensive line or offensive line, you know, not blocking at all. Uh, so him coming here and saying that whether he, you know, obviously what time we'll see if he can prove that and so forth and so forth on so on and so forth. But just him saying that might be, might've been just coach speak to win the press conference. But I think if you even go back and just look at his stats at temple and Baylor, I mean, that's just, that's who he is. And I, I think he is definitely a slightly defensive minded coach over any sort of, I mean, I think as his time went on, he kind of grew into more of an offensive role, but I think just his style is definitely defensive line and physical play. Uh, just from the stats that I've looked up in just kind of his progression, definitely at Baylor, he kind of turned more into an offensive minded coach. And I still would be curious if he had stayed at Baylor instead of going to the NFL, how good they could have been. Cause I mean, even like that, his last season at Baylor when they were, you know, I think number eight at one point, I think a lot of people looked at like, you know, this, if rule stays here, I mean, Baylor can be like a powerhouse going forward. Cause he, he was getting him to that point. Um, so I just, I think if he had another year or two at Baylor, I would have liked to have seen just how his team evolved and played on offense and defense. But uh, those were long winded initial thoughts <laughs> on rule. So, uh, we'll just kind of pass it around to you guys. Uh, just, yeah, we have a new coach. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think my first initial impressions of Matt rule are just that he seems kind of like a salt of the earth type guy. Uh, seems pretty relatable. Um, he, I know in a lot of his interviews, he's talked about, um, how he just, enjoys being a leader of young men and just kind of molding student athletes uh, and uh, changing them from or making them different than kind of how he found them. I know that was one of the things I had listened to uh, like a press conference he had while he was at Baylor and uh, just trying to get the most out of the kids. And I think that can go a long way. Uh, especially here in Nebraska, and especially after some of the fallout that has uh, recently occurred. I think that he is in the right place at the right time is just kind of what this feels like. And he just seems like a complete breath of fresh air compared to what Scott was, where he was more of the recluse kind of holier-than-thou type feeling (laughs) kind of guy, you know, whereas Matt Rule mentioned where he wants to be in the community and uh, go out to restaurants and stuff. And he's already been seen at different restaurants. And uh, I know he went to a brewery somewhere in Nebraska as well. And so he's been, might I, might I inquire a little chap at a former coach unintentionally that he might've said intentionally. That was probably intentional. (laughs) (laughs) Let's there, be there, there might have been something there. Yeah. Might have. <laughs> if, if you lived under a rock under Scott's tenure, if you saw Scott anywhere in Lincoln, you probably won some sort of kind of award. <laughs> that wasn't Gate 25. That wasn't Gate 25 or <laughs> the actual golf course. <laughs> Not to speculate on rubus, but, but if, you want to go to the, if you want to go to the Husker subreddit, 
uh, you can probably find something in there. <laughs> you might have to search back a little bit. That's been a while now. It's been a while. <laughs> it's, it's definitely there. There's, 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 there's some smoke. There's some sure. stuff there. There's some stuff there. Oof. <laughs> we won't speculate on rumors. We'll just let. Well, we we just tell the people. Be a little late for that. <laughs> we might, we might have just done that. <laughs> we will just tell the people what we have heard, and we'll let everybody else make their own opinion and their do their own exactly. research. Exactly. Good save. I like that. Kind of like Kirk <laughs> Cousins with doing his own research on COVID. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Had to get that in there. <laughs> or half the U.S. <laughs> but, um, no, another thing that has really, I don't know, bought me into him, I guess, is just that he hasn't shied away from his failure in the NFL. Like, he just embraces it. And he said, you know, it wasn't, wasn't a good fit for me. Doesn't mean it was the worst time in my life, but it was a part still just kind of part of his uh kind of growth i guess mm-hmm. and it's it's not something he's going to shy away from and uh he's willing to just kind of own it and i think that can go a long ways uh going forward and so just i don't know i i've been impressed with him so far his press conference definitely won me over and just his willingness to go around to the different lincoln schools his first day <laughs> or his like day after in the office just to talk mm-hmm. to the coaches which is something that a lot of the high school coaches in Lincoln said just hadn't happened in over a decade. And that's to your point is I think there was an article, I think when rule left to go to Carolina back in 2020, uh, out of Waco is a lot of like the local high school coaches in Texas really appreciated rule just being like involved in their high schools in the community there. And, you know, they were sad to see him go just because Rule had had such good relations with all the high schools in his area. So I think that's definitely, you know, just if you follow his Twitter, I mean, he just posts pictures of the different high schools. The You know, he's on his small town Nebraska trip right now. Um, I mean, it just shows that, like, he's trying to make an effort to put a name and a face to the program and to the state that he wants to be involved in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and that I think that can go a long ways because, I mean, yes, there's probably some of the homer take where we need to recruit Nebraska to be good, but <laughs> but I mean, you look it, at you look at how many in-state recruits we have lost to mm-hmm. FC. I mean, I, he mentioned that during the press conference too. It's like, how many in-state players do you lose to an FCS school when you have an FBS Big Ten yep. school in your home state? And Omaha and Lincoln players and elsewhere want to go to Iowa or go, you know, North Dakota State. I mean, we've lost plenty of Omaha players to North Dakota State, Um, Mm -hmm. plenty of tight ends to Iowa. I mean, it's just I mean, yeah, you we lost Zane Flores, you know, the best class A state quarterback this year to Oklahoma State because Scott didn't have interest in him at all. And it might be another might might be another shot at the previous guy. Yeah, it's just just I mean, you you lose. The top that ones that one's fair. That one yeah. was fair. I mean, you know, you lose this top rated quarterback in the state to Oklahoma State because your previous coach didn't go talk to him or have interest in him. And it's just like I could I could list off plenty of other Omaha examples of who we've lost to North Dakota State um and uh Iowa and all that. It's just 
you know, like he said at the press conference, I mean, you shouldn't be losing in-state guys to FCS schools when you have a Big Ten FBS school literally at your back door <laughs> that you can hard sell recruit to. It's just, yeah, uh, yeah, I don't I won't go down the list because I don't know how many people care about how many random college names that I have stored in the back of my brain of <laughs> players we've lost to North Dakota State because there's been quite a few. But again, it, it speaks kind of what he wants to do and where he wants to take the program that he's willing to put in the even already this first week that he's just been a head coach. He's putting in the legwork. He's, you know, he's gone to Scotts Bluff, gone to Norfolk, been to all the Lincoln schools, been to the Omaha schools. And it's like he you can tell he's passionate about what he does and he wants to get this moving in the right direction. And I think that is going to pay dividends down the road at some point. So that's that's definitely exciting to see and uh, definitely wins <laughs> wins me over. That's for sure. I not not too difficult, but, you know, <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, I'm overall pretty excited about it. I think, uh, you know, 12 wins easily next year is within grasp. So um, other than that, I, I'll just go ahead and pass it over to Zach for uh, any of his thoughts. I mean, you guys summed it up pretty well. I, I don't have too much more to add. However, I did decide that we should go back and look at uh, the the pad that we had that was about uh, when Scott got fired, we made a whole document about oh, what we God, wanted the coaches' coach discussions. <laughs> oh, so this is actually funny because <laughs> this is actually funny because this was made after Scott Frost was fired, and so we put a note or we imagine. put a we put a bullet point like what do we want to see, and so. <laughs> What we wanted to look for in a coach, and there were four was, bullet points. What, three games after, yeah, this is probably after Georgia Southern, right? Yep, pretty Before much. We figured out that the offensive line was much more of a problem than it was. <laughs> <laughs> right. So um, the things, the big four things that we looked for were style of play, emphasize building from inside out. Just remember that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then culture, and then what realistically needs to happen to keep Mickey or interview him for the head coach Ooh. position, which at the time was there a because possibility. Well, yeah, that was a very real possibility because you know, there was something that he, he had, he added a lot of value at the time. And so we thought somebody needs to see the value in Mickey and come in and keep him on staff. Obviously with hindsight being what it is now, You know, it's probably not going to happen regardless. But that said, overall, when you look at what Matt Rule has done in college football, and I'll get to the NFL on my points in a second. Uh, When you look at what he's done in the NFL, he took over a Temple team, which I don't know about many people out there in terms of our listeners or anybody that might be new to our podcast. But uh, I don't know many people that are going out of their way to watch Temple football. But he made them pretty good. Like he made them a contender in something. I don't remember. He got them to. He got them pretty high up there. I, I know he got them to a couple bowl games. I think I could be wrong on the on the records there. But regardless, he two made for sure. Okay, yeah. I mean, he got Temple to two bowl games, and that's Temple. 
And I'm I'm not discrediting them now, but at the time, no one was going out of their way to watch Temple football. Mm-hmm. And then on the flip side, when he went to Baylor, he took over Baylor in a very, very bad spot. And then his first year was pretty rough, but then his second year, you saw a lot of growth. Mm-hmm. So I think... And yes, like I said, I'll get to the NFL point for me specifically, but I think when you look at his coaching pedigree in the college football landscape, uh, he has a knack of being able to take teams, and it might be a year. It might take a year, but that second year, you're probably going to see some good results. And the thing is, I don't think we're on the level of Baylor or Temple when he went there to those places. Right. I actually yeah. think I that we could see a five and seven team, a six and six team next year. Mm-hmm. And I'm not I'm not putting the expectation on that because with the way that the college football landscape is now, is like you can't expect that because the transfer portal is a thing. NIL is a thing. Mm-hmm. But that was the other thing that I took from it is that he was asked specifically about his thoughts on NIL and the fact that when he was in the NFL uh, that's when the college football, like that's when it all kind of changed. And he said, basically, he's like, I'm all for kids coming to get uh, get paid for using their name and likeness because they're putting on a show and they're putting on a product. But he also specified that with, but he wants kids that want to play for Nebraska too. Like he says, yeah, it's great that they want to get paid. That's fine. And he's, he's okay with that. But... He also wants people that are going to play for Nebraska. And I think that is one of the biggest things to take from it because he didn't shy away from NIL where I know like you're kind of split on a lot of fan bases where like some even coaches in the NFL, geez, (laughs) some coaches in college football are even like we don't necessarily like NIL. I think it's I think it's problematic. He didn't necessarily shy away from it. He didn't necessarily say that he loved it. Uh, I mean, he, he kind of did, but he didn't say it in a way that he was praising it like, oh, I'm going to use that to my advantage. Mm-hmm. You know he is, but that's the thing is like all of his answers that he gave in his press conference were so logical, but were also so honest. Mm-hmm. And then going to the NFL thing, a lot of people have been like, well, he failed in the NFL. Like, well, I mean, I, I don't want to say, well, yeah, because that's – but. You know, like you guys said, Saban failed there. Um, I don't think mm-hmm. necessarily. I, I don't know if I don't know if I'd call Jim Harbaugh necessarily a failure because he did okay. He, he I did mean, he fine. did fine. He did. He he was championship game. So, I mean, yeah, well, you know. But I mean, he. Uh, but like at the end of the day, like if you look at his record, he was pretty middling. But you know, when Michigan called and said, "Hey, we want to offer you a job," he took that. Like, right. uh, yeah, but regardless, and like now you look at where they are. Back to back years, they beat Ohio State. Back to back Big Ten champs. Back to back playoff appearances. It's exactly, just, like it's you know NFL failure or lack of success is not always you know related to college either, right? And obviously, Saban is another example, and we know what Saban's done. And I think, and I think, uh, granted, like you said, they're outliers, but like they're very much outliers. <laughs> still, like they're examples. The NFL is a different coaching style than the than college football is. And I think I think it's hit upon because Matt Rule even said he wants to build good kids from the program. 
And I think that's the key is like in college football, you're dealing with kids from 18 to, I don't know, 23, maybe mm-hmm. unless you've got like a kicker that's like 34. I don't remember who that was exactly. <laughs> there was some team that had that. But I mean, the point being is that like Matt Rule knows who he's working with in terms of college football, in terms of bringing kids in. And I'm not I'm not discrediting that when guys go to the NFL that they're not potentially still kids. And I put quotes on around that. But it's like, you know, you are not the same person you are from the age of 18 when you go to 23. Especially, and I mean, I don't know this personally, but like from football standpoints, like if you're going to the NFL, your your future is spoken for. So basically, once you're in the NFL and if you're on a team, like if you're drafted and you're you're on a team and you're officially signed as a rookie, then you have your future essentially spoken for as long as you can make it work, which is different than working with college kids trying to make it onto the team. Mm-hmm. And obviously, we don't know if this is going to work at Nebraska. Any coach we were going to hire was always going to be uh, you know, a 50 50 shot if it was going to be good or not. But right. like with Matt Rule's success in the past, I think it speaks to the fact that I think college is where he is destined to be. Mm-hmm. And I think that's okay mm-hmm. that he went to the NFL to find that out. Right. Does that mean he doesn't go back to the NFL in the future? Absolutely not. But regardless, mm-hmm. I think, uh, and I think Andy, you said this. I think Nate, you said the same thing is that Matt Rule was the hire that Nebraska needed. Yes. I so badly, I remember even saying this, I think Thursday before the game, I think on Thanksgiving when we were all texting each other, I said, I so badly would love for Fickle to be the next head coach. Having said that, though, and having a little bit of hindsight, I don't think Fickle would have succeeded fully here. I think he would have been fine. I mm-hmm. think he would have. I think he would have recruited well, and I think he would have done okay but I think what we needed that rule brings in is an identity. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think rule is the perfect, perfect fit for bringing back stability to Nebraska football. And if there's anything that Nebraska football has needed in the past decade since Bo Pelini was fired is an identity. And mm-hmm. I know, I know specifically that Nate said that a few weeks ago um, is that, the one thing that we've lacked is an identity. And I think Matt rule is the one that's going to bring that. Right. Um, now again, I, I know I said this, but does that mean he, he is the successful hire? We don't know. And he's not the home run hire on paper, but here's the thing. Is he the home run hire that comes in, you know, in the ninth inning pinch hitting to, to get us the win? Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe we don't know. But like on paper, sure, he's not necessarily a home run hire. But with everything that I've just said that we've all said, and on top of that, and I know like I sent the thing about him going to that brewery. I think it was out in Scott's Bluff. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty sure I I could be wrong. So somebody correct me if I am. But like I'm pretty sure like December 3rd out in Scott's Bluff, there was like a crap ton of snow on the ground. Like the road conditions weren't necessarily great. And he's out in Scott's like, I mean, I, they, they might have been fine, but I mean, like still like he got to Nebraska in that same week. He's out in Scott's Bluff in not great conditions out and 
recruiting kids. Mm-hmm. And not only that, he's taking pictures with the local brewery or, or whatever. Like, you know, he's been very upfront about taking pictures about where he's at locally and making making a point that he's like, I, and granted, that he's a new coach. Of course, that's the kind of thing you do. But like, mm-hmm. he seems genuine in his ability and his willingness to do that. He's going to, if it's not him, his coaches. Mm-hmm. Like they all seem like they're very much genuinely wanting to make Nebraska football work. And I think the other thing is, is that because it can work here, mm-hmm. it's possible. Like they have the stuff to do it. It's proven. I mean, they have the coaching been, ability yeah. to do it. They have a new facility that's going to open up in this offseason. That's exactly Zach. I mean, you have like you have an athletic have department stuff. that is you have an athletic department that is going to pump money into you and into this program. You have a fan base that is going to be here. You, you know, think what you want about the sellout streak. I, you know, wishy-washy, whatever. You have a mostly, if not almost full stadium watching a four and eight football team every single Saturday, you know, mm-hmm. a three and nine team last year. I mean, you are going to have the fans behind you. You're going to have the athletic department pumping budgets and monies into that program. You're going to have all the resources that you need to succeed here. You just need the right guy. Tennessee is a perfect, perfect example of what they did this year. hundred percent. I mean, you know, they missed the playoff. Yeah. So what? I mean, Tennessee, just like us, has really not been relevant since the 90s. And then they have a season like they just had this year. I mean, it takes. Imagine what next year is going to be for Tennessee. Their second second year head coach, you know, gets them up almost ready to play for an SEC championship game. But I mean, you know, that's just it shows you like it just it takes the right guy at the right place and the right time. Absolutely. You know what? What we've said all along is we think that the rule is what Nebraska needs at this moment in time. Um, I didn't agree. And I, you know, I people, you know, this hired, no matter who Trev hired, people were going to be divided. Um, it just, it didn't matter if it was Mickey, if it wasn't Mickey, you know, if it was somebody like rule and not, not somebody like rule, like, you know, you're going to have both sides of the spectrum of this hire. Um, and what I say to those people is like, you know, Nebraska hasn't been good for 20 years. Like we know this, you know, even during the bow years, I mean, yeah, you're having winning seasons, but you know, Bo can never win those big games. And I know that's been like a criticism of rule and, you know, we'll see, you know, he has to prove it to us as time will tell, but um, you know, Scott never had a winning season. Mike Riley had one winning season. Um, you know, he went to a bowl after the winning season, but he, you know, he went to two bowls technically, but he was five and season or five and seven in that one year that he went to the bowl. Um, Matt rules had five winning seasons out of seven as a college head coach. Um, and you haven't had one the past four years with Scott. Um, technically five, I guess if you count this season or was this five, I don't know. I don't remember either. I think we're blends, on six, aren't we? It all blends together at this point, but I, th- um, I think this year was six because we didn't make it. Uh, yeah. onto a bowl with uh, Riley for the last year, never Correct. with Scott. And then this year and Scott's best record was five and seven. So, I mean, if you tell me that, like, you know, we can always do better. And I was like, you know, you can't because this program is such in such a bad state that we're like, we're mediocre. We have to prove that we are not mediocre anymore. Um, you know, you technically you can say we haven't been good since Bo, but you know, we were not good with Bo either. I mean, you, 
yeah, we had nine and four seasons, but those four losses, you're getting your butt kicked by Wisconsin by 30 points every year. Yeah. Um, in, the, in the third quarter. You're point. losing to Iowa yeah, <laughs> every every year. And it's just like, yeah. those are the games that, yeah, go nine and four you want. But like I said earlier, like those are the games that as a personal fan, those are the games I want to win and want to beat every single year is Wisconsin mm-hmm. and Iowa. And now Minnesota because I hate P.J. Fleck. But <laughs> got to respect what, you know, what he's done up there. I mean, he could. PJ Fleck, as much as I him hate still hate him, yeah, it's like Tom Brady. I don't hate, I, I don't, I, I don't like the guy, but respect him. I mean, you know, he's he's made Minnesota more relevant again, um, just of what he's done up there. So it's just like it just it takes the right guy to get what you need to rebuild a program. And uh, yeah, you know, first year under new head coaches, unless you're Ryan Day, um, and get handed the keys to a Mercedes. <laughs> <laughs> like he did um, are generally going to suck. And, you know, I just, I think we as a fan base should, we should not set like a record expectation next year. I not know we sure. will because, you know, we want to make predictions. That's what we do. Um, and I know we will be just because that's something fun that we love to do is, you know, set a record expectation. But I think realistically outside of just making a prediction for fun, I don't think there should be like a win or loss record expectation on rule for at least year one. Um, Just because, I mean, that's what's bit us in the butt every year under Scott. Um, It's just, you know, you always like, okay, yes, bowl game. And then so on and so forth. And, you know, you couldn't even get to a bowl game. (laughs) You couldn't even get to that first stare. Uh, So it's, I think, you know, that's the only thing I offer is like realistically just kind of set back. You know, I know I'll probably chug the offseason Kool-Aid too because we love being offseason national champs. Um, but at the same time, I mean, we probably all should have realized it too with this, like for the start of this season as a reality check of like, you know, what's like, yeah, you get these new coaches in and realistically, like what's going to change. And uh, it's just as much as you want to look back on the season. Um, we probably should have seen the writing on the wall <laughs> outside of that. But yeah, just a lot of, a lot of new optimism for uh rule. And I think I, th- we might've mentioned this already and Zach, you might've hit on it is he said like, yeah, I didn't come here to, uh, you know, the, the players, you know, may not want to be coached by me, but I'm going to coach them because that is my job uh, or something, a quote along those lines Uh and, you know, as we've seen, like, we expected people to transfer to decommit because they wanted Mickey as the coach. And uh, hindsight's twenty twenty of what we know now with him. Regardless, you know, that's the player's choice. Like, you know, if I was a recruit and the guy that recruited me or the staff that recruited me was fired or left, like, honestly, I probably wouldn't want to go to that school either because, like, why would I want to go play for somebody that didn't personally get me at that school? And I'm sure, you know, that's what rules pitch into all these decommits and these transfers right now. It's like, you know, I know I didn't recruit you. I know I didn't get you to come here, but I'm still going to coach you like I recruited you here because that's my job as a head coach. Um, So that's just, I think, a couple of the big names. The biggest name, I think, for me was Ernest Hausman going into the portal. You know, he like we said, the portal is fluid. You know, some players put their name out there, but don't eventually go anywhere and then come back. So I hope you know, he comes back. I hope he does. I really too. do. And nice he, 
I just the way he came on in the middle of the season and just kept playing hard. I was like, oh man, like if he keeps developing well with these new coaches and everything, I mean, you have a real chance to be like the next Levante David at Nebraska. And, you know, he had some glimpse of that, especially at the Michigan game. Um, despite getting Nebraska's butts kicked, I mean, I think Ernest Hausman played a heck of a middle season and end of the season there. And, you know, that's a name that hurts to see, like, be in the transfer portal and, uh, lose, maybe lose. We'll see. But uh, there is the other side of that where he might just be putting it in to see just like what oh, kind yeah. of offers he gets. And he might be like, yeah, you know what? Maybe Especially I'll say in the world. Uh, that's the biggest thing at Nebraska, you know, and rule, you know, he hasn't been in a college coach since NIL happened. So this is all new to him too. But, you know, as we talk about the resources, that's the biggest thing Nebraska also has going for them is like, we have two NIL companies in this city that, are like that's huge that's you know probably how we got casey thompson probably how we got trey palmer how we got oshan you know so on. it's so confirmed forth. that's how we got casey thompson he right. said that when he mm-hmm. got here is that like yep. nil was huge yeah like, and that's nebraska he, has, he specifically that said that and so um, you know that's something rule you know also has to learn and adapt to as well um because like we said it's all brand new to him this is his first time back since nil was introduced uh in the college world so I think that's definitely something that, you know, we have to keep an eye on. Um, and I'm sure, you know, hopefully we don't officially lose Malachi Coleman. You know, he said he was decommitting, but the door is always open. I think he's just, re, you know, reevaluating the new staff that's coming in and going to coach him. So obviously, you know, when he did commit, you know, he did hint at this, like, you know, I was not coming here because of Scott's staff. I'm here because of the current staff, which was Mickey. Now that Mickey's gone, so on and so forth. But, you know, he did say on his Twitter that the door is always open. So, you know, there's a chance Malachi still commits to Nebraska. But uh, that's always why you got to take those commits with a grain of salt because they're never really official until you sign the letter of intent uh, with recruiting. But it's, yeah, it's just that's the the situation with a new head coach and a new head like coaching staff coming in is you're going to lose players, you're going to lose commits. But, you know, he's at least trying, like Nate had mentioned, like he's going to all these towns and he's trying to get these commits. You know, I'm offering you like this is what I want, Um, whether you choose to stay or not. Obviously, he gets it, but he's trying to reconfirm those commits and get them to stay at Nebraska. And I think that's just something that Nebraska. Yeah, we need you just need to clean house like we did and just. You know, get a, you got to start with another foundation because uh, whatever was built up or whatever was there needs to be uh, burned and knocked down to the ground. <laughs> and I do think at minimum that the fact that and I don't necessarily want a head coach that's documenting everywhere they go. Like, I don't I, I care, but like, I don't necessarily care to like, oh, I ate a burger at this place. Like, I, I don't necessarily need to know all that. It's just, it's a it's way just to be the fact that there's accountability. The He's like, mm-hmm. Hey, I'm in Scott's bluff. I'm in Norfolk. I'm in here. It's like, okay. Like he's showing that he's putting in the effort and granted, who knows? Maybe this is a one year thing. Like maybe next year he is a little more quiet on it, whatever. But like, again, like for me, I think it's, and this kind of goes into like my last and final thoughts. And then I think, I think I think I'm good otherwise. But like for me, it's like he's showing the effort. And I don't know if you guys watched the like pre um, uh, press conference with Mickey 
or mm-hmm. uh, sorry, with Matt. Um, but they they had uh, Johnny Rogers as like an interviewee or whatever. Oh yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the big comments that he said, and I thought I, I did actually think this resonated really well, and I was like, this is actually fitting for Nebraska football uh, fans. Is he said Nebraska fans don't quit on anything big or small because it may become a habit. And I'm like, you know, it's cheesy as hell, but it's not wrong. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, the sellout streak is a perfect example. It's like, that's, but yeah, what I mentioned before is like, yeah, the fan base is always going to be there. And then, yeah, like as Nebraska is right now, you're going to have fans that check out because who wants to watch this bad football team? But 100%. the minute you start progressing and start getting back in, you're going to get all those fans back because like he said, like you're never fully going to lose a Nebraska fan. They just might check out for a bit, but they'll come right back in. And Correct. that's just, yeah, like, like I had mentioned, like you see a nearly full, if not always full stadium on a Saturday to mm-hmm. watch an awful, God awful football team play because that is just who Nebraska fans are. That's just the fan base. And you're always going to have that support. And, and if there was ever a question, if you thought Matt rule didn't want to do it, just remember this. And he said this. He said uh, he didn't say it like this, but he said it very similar. Mm-hmm. Is he had all the time in the world to go and get paid forty million or whatever it was to sit on a beach and do nothing. Yes, he had he, a chance, he to, stay had, he had a chance to stay and do nothing <laughs> and get paid by the Carolina Panthers to do nothing. And he decided, literally, less than a year after he got fired. To come to Nebraska, I'm Two not months. gonna. I, I'm not gonna say that that's necessarily a hundred percent sign, but his heart is in coaching, and I mm-hmm. think he's the he is, and we've all said it. He's the guy that Nebraska needs, and I, I think obviously we don't know if it's gonna work out. No one knows right. if it's gonna work out, but the thing is, is like his proven track record higher regardless. <laughs> yeah. His proven track record to me says enough as in like, he's done this before he knows what to do. It might take some adjustment and he said as much, but I think Nebraska is going to be on the right track. And when I say right track, I would like to point this out to anybody that, you know, wants to question this because uh, also speaking of around the Thanksgiving time, uh, I didn't realize this, but a lot of my aunts and uncles apparently listen to us. So shout out to them. Thank you. But also, <laughs> um, you know, just on that same track, we, we had all these conversations and I said the same things. And I said, you know, I think Nebraska will be back a lot quicker than you think, but it's not going to be next year. It could be next year. There is a, there's a chance it could be next year. I'm not going to say it's not. But, There's always a chance. But with this new coach and with his track record, you have to give him at least three years. However, I understand we said the same thing about Frost and that didn't work out. But Matt Rule has the track record that if it doesn't work out in year three, and also going off the fact that uh, Trev Alberts even said they, they looked at the analytics and they did all this and they did all that. They went, they told, they essentially just went ham. And decided, mm-hmm. they decided we're going to do everything we can analytically to find the best coach for us. And they landed on Matt Rule. So to me, I think he's the guy that you have to back. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, I know we all said it. We would have loved Fickle, but Fickle is not what we needed right now. 
Right. And I think just a couple more points I wanted to wrap up. Uh, the six at least confirmed coaching staff that we know under rule right now. Uh, they first started as kind of leaks, and now they, I think like a couple days ago, they're like officially confirmed, or it might have been late last week that uh, the Husker account officially confirmed like his six new coaching staff right now. Uh, the first one is Evan. I, a lot of these, all preferences, a lot of these coaching staff hires, and as we see this with every coach that gets hired and goes to a new place, has some sort of connection with the head coach. And a lot of these have been coaches that have either been with Rural at all three stops of Temple, Baylor, Carolina, or just some sort of coaching career connection with Rural at some point. Um, but the first one, Evan Cooper, uh, is going to be the secondary coach in. I don't think the recruiting coordinator title is officially attached to him, but I think that is mostly going to be his job too, is secondary and the recruiting coordinator um, as well. Offensive uh, coordinator is Marcus Satterfield. Uh, he's been with Rule at all three stops. Most recently, he's been South Carolina's offensive coordinator. Um, and I think the stat that they threw out there was like, I think was the Georgia and Tennessee games or Cle- some sort of those two variation games where he put up like a lot of points on like top team, top ranked teams or anything like that. Uh, so just kind of like a wishy-washy good feeling like, Oh, this offensive coordinator could score points type thing. But either way, he's the new offensive coordinator. I'm just glad it's not Whipple. <laughs> we knew it wasn't going to be Whipple, but we can now finally get that whole thing just out of our system and out. the. We door. can, we can hope that Whipple's uh, recruitment or er, recruitment, sorry, retirement, retirement job was Nebraska. I he hasn't officially announced it, but we're pretty positive Whipple's going to retire. <laughs> Whipple has officially retired on the sun. On the sun. <laughs> His resting place. <laughs> you started you started off good my man, but yeah. It just it got a little questionable at the end there. Uh the other ones Terrence Knighton and I'm probably going to spell like mispronunciate a lot of these names cuz until we actually hear somebody say their names at a press conference I don't 100% know if we're saying them right until we actually hear them uh, announced. But Terrence Knighton will be the defensive line coach. And then Corey Campbell will be the head strength and conditioning coach for the team as well. Um, then, I believe uh, I believe um, that was the Hulk. Uh, yes. If you haven't seen that picture on Twitter yet. The picture that we all shared, that was definitely not just his name was not just Corey. That was definitely the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> the Incredible Hulk, yes. If you don't know, just Google Corey Campbell as and as long as and I will I will maintain this because I've said it all year, because he looks good in pictures, and I'm not gonna deny that, but <clears throat> as long as he can uh get some speed into what we need mm-hmm. to do rather than just making guys that are really good at lifting 600 pounds. Great. Yep. I, if you can lift 600 pounds and can move a, you know, if you can do a 40 at I, I, whatever is a good speed for that position. Great. Mm-hmm. But you know, you lift 600 pounds, but do something with it. That's all I ask, <laughs> which in his credit seems like that's kind of what he's been able to do. So right. I agree. Uh, I, give him, I give him credits there. I get, I'm giving him credit so far. Good. Uh, and then the last two coaches to wrap it up of what's been announced so far is uh, Ed Foley as the special teams coach and then EJ Barthel as running back coach. 
uh, most recently at UConn uh, as his most recent stop. But like I said, a lot of these coaches, and this is not uncommon with any head coach that gets hired at another school, is the staff that they either bring from the current school or try to hire has probably had some sort of head or just coaching career connection to the sitting head coach. And that's been the common theme so far with rules hires is they've either been at all three stops with him or just had some sort of coaching stop connection with rule, uh, whether it's at Temple, Baylor, Carolina, uh, anything like that. So another name that we don't officially know about yet that, but that's been kind of throughout for a quarterback coach is Jake Peets, uh, who was a walk on at Nebraska, I want to say under Callahan or Solich. I think it was Callahan, uh, but he's rumored to be the quarterback coach. So that's kind of the, the positions that we don't know that probably need to be filled for sure for our defensive coordinator, linebacker coach. Uh, God, what am I missing? Quarterback coach. And then wide receivers, wide receivers. Yes. Uh, wide receiver coach. So, if you're thinking about tight ends, Marcus Satterfield, if you just do any sort of research on him, uh, if you, when he hasn't been an offensive coordinator, he's also been a tight end coach. So I think they did combine his position of tight ends to offensive coordinator. So that's where the tight end coach tight end uh, play comes into effect. But yeah, the four that we're looking at are quarterback, wide receiver, linebacker, and defensive coordinator. Uh, again, I'm not 100% positive if he is allowed 10 full-time positions or if it's 11 full-time positions, but either way you're looking at maybe four or five more positions to fill uh, that we don't know about yet. And hopefully we will in the coming days, hopefully not weeks, but there are uh, two, there are two more names out there, but they haven't been officially announced as like, I mean, they like these people have like changed their profile picture to say new profile pick, like the whole hashtag thing right? with Nebraska gear. Don't know what they are other than potentially recruiting roles, um, but we do have an Omar Hales, who was a uh, special teams coordinator at uh, Eastern U. Okay. Uh, potentially just a recruiting role or could be something in the special teams department. I'm also not going to act like I know anything about these coaches either. I mean, this well, is... Right, like... Coaches are like, sure, we know your name. Like, <laughs> yep. like Omar Hales, I, I will say, like, there's been quite a few, like, retweets from, like, uh, Rule and others mm-hmm. that like he's been he's been doing that so i think he might just be very heavily recruiting um then there's i'm going to probably kill this one um adam d michelle uh and the thing is is there's like nothing on this guy and i'm not saying there's nothing previously it's uh-huh. he just says hashtag #new profile picture with him and husker gear and then no one knows what he is so <laughs> the assumption is a recruiting role but no one knows like, right. He like, this is his profile. Like he, he says, Hey, I'm part of the Nebraska staff. We don't know what he is. So <laughs> or at least I don't, uh, I could be wrong, but, um, probably a good indication. I mean, it, he's going to be at Nebraska, probably in a recruiting role, but mm-hmm. I think the one point that I want to make sure that's really big is that Ed Foley, who is the special teams coordinator, mm-hmm. has a picture on Twitter, and I'm looking at it right now, actually, of him, and he basically says, uh, the Runza magnet grabbed me. And he <laughs> went to Runza, and he got, I don't know what he got, but he he's talking about going through Runza. It's like, yep, 
Nebraska born and ready. He's good to go. I mean, he's not from here, <laughs> but I don't think, but uh, he knows he knows how to recruit Nebraska to you go to Runza. One 100%. name that I want to throw out there that I don't even know if it will happen or not, but y'all remember Keith Williams? Yep. That's a name I, I, I'm I making this up on the spot if there's any smoke or not. Hate it. I would not hate that at all. I know he had the DUI issue when he was here, but you know, the DUI compared to Mickey's situation, I'll, you know, that's not totally acceptable, but it's better than what happened to Mickey, I guess. <laughs> I take I, you through. If I have to pick one or the other, but um, I mean, yeah, that's, you know, if it's a name that I just want to throw out there, it's like, you know, he's had Nebraska connections before. He did great here. So, you know, I think he's with Baltimore currently. Um, in some sort of role with sure. Baltimore. Uh, but yeah, uh, well, I think this is current. I'm just looking at their staff page. Yeah, he's currently with Baltimore. So if you like Baltimore's receivers, that's where he is. <laughs> <laughs> it's not an all bad thing. Baltimore's no. doing all right. But that's another name that I kind of mildly got mentioned and thrown around there. Well, I'm sure I'm sure Ron Brown will still be on the staff. Yeah, Somehow. and that's I mean, yeah. we're just talking about full time paid positions. We're not even talking about analyst position, which Ron Brown currently is. And I think I think that's what the two that I just said, they might they might yeah, be in that role. Just too. analysts. But, but I, I, we're talking about full time, the paid positions that Matt Rule gets to deal the seven million dollar pool from. Still. You just go off the assumptions that at least the OC and DC are going to be one million at a minimum each. So then you got to figure, you know, the five billion for the rest of those roles, um, which are still going to be six figures. It's just, you know, who gets more of the six figures than the other assistants. But uh, well, Ed Foley deserves at least like seventy five percent of that because he went to Runza. Like that's huge. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I'm just going to say that. Like he went to Runza. That's big. That's, so if we that's all go, thing. If we go to Runza, we just get offered a position on the coaching staff. Is that what he's also saying? the? I mean, I hope so. I went to Runza like two days ago. So, <laughs> but he's also the special teams coordinator, and you know, sorry, we, you don't have it up there. Yeah. <laughs> just, just order online. You can get some frozen runs. They I'll ship them. Build one. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but I mean, I know I uh, like uh, you know, I that that sounds dumb. But still, like special teams has been kind of a point of contention for a lot of fans. So I mean, mm-hmm. you know, if him going to runs is what makes it successful, let's fucking do right. it. So <laughs> uh, but I think unless we have anything else, I think one last point I kind of wanted to bring the college football sphere back into it is if we kind of just want to make quick predictions for, Oh, I guess the first thing we'll talk about is, you know, when we had one of our bi-week episodes, we were hoping the playoff wouldn't go to 2026. The Rose bowl finally gave in and said, you can have your playoff sooner. So now we get a playoff by 2024. I'm good with it. Team playoff. I should say I'm so excited for it. And that's, that's going to be, that's going to be such a wild year because that's, the year that USC and UCLA join the big 10 and then you first get a 12 team expanded playoff. So it's like everything is that entire start of that season and how that evolves is just going to be tremendous for college football. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see how the big 10 looks too. Are they going to go divisionless? Are they going to go pods? 
Um, I can't because I can't imagine they're going to keep the current division system as it is. It's not going to it's not going to they do, It's going to be shifted dramatically. But, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what the Big Ten does uh, in terms of divisions and how the conference looks and everything like that. But, you know, we get a sooner we get a quicker playoff. And, you know, we have the four teams in the current playoff right now, uh, Georgia, Michigan, TCU and Ohio State. Um, if we want to pick. You know, it's hard not to pick Georgia. I mean, that's just what what they did to Tennessee. It's like that kind of sold me. <laughs> what they did to LSU in the conference championship game kind of sold me. Um, I would be more intrigued at a Georgia TCU matchup, but I'm afraid for TCU in that matchup <laughs> as <Yeah>. well. <laughs> um, I think the more intriguing one, uh, if you want kind of a closer game, is Georgia Michigan. But, you know, not to have a Michigan-Ohio State rematch is also like, you know, how could you not want that either? Because um, definitely Ohio State is going to have a lot of, you know, revenge blood on their hands if they want that matchup. So, but if I had to if I had to pick a winner right now, I think it'd be Georgia. Just it's hard not to pick them just based off the games that they played this year and how they've just dominated pretty much every single game. There's been a couple scares. I think the Missouri game was kind of their scare, but I mean, outside of that, they've been pretty dominant all year. But I'll throw that to you guys. Your thoughts on the playoffs and who you want to win. I'm just glad that they got it right and yes. didn't uh, <laughs> <laughs> include Alabama or as much as Nick Saban pleaded to everyone on, uh, was that on Big Noon Kickoff or was that, it was one of the championship games. They had Nick Saban on. Yeah, lobbying for his begging, school. Uh, yeah, telling me there's not an SEC bias within that committee. Yeah, <laughs> give me a break. But they they got it right. I think they got the the top four teams there. Um, you don't you don't see any other two loss head coach school like yeah. get asked to ESPN to come and lobby for the school to make the playoff, and it's just like really. Well, my question is, you know, why didn't Dabo get to come on and do the same thing? Right. It's just like, what other two law school got invited to come lobby for their school on the, like, the selection show for the committee? I mean, it's just, Mm -hmm. yeah, you can't tell me that there's not an SEC bias within that committee. Um, Yeah. Which... I like we. I know we're all glad. I'd rather argue about a 13, 14 seed than who gets in the top four. Because that's at the best point, part. At that point, you are arguing about two or three lost teams. That's a hundred percent the best part about the 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 twelve. Mm-hmm. You know the twelve team bracket though, or whatever it's going to be, is right. like at that point. Then it's like now you're officially at the point where like these can be bowl games or whatever. Right. They decide the playoff. And right. it and it will matter of you it's know who are your two losses to who are your three losses to, you know mm-hmm. are your two losses to not ranked teams and somebody else's three losses are against you know top ranked teams. I mean at that point then you can really take into the strength of schedule and who did you play who did you not play type thing, kind of like March Madness but slightly smaller, <laughs> not slightly a lot smaller <laughs> than sixty eight teams. <laughs> I mean, why not just do like November Madness and start just doing like, you know, 128 teams and we just all play a shitload of football games throughout like a month and a half. You would definitely have no non-conference games. You just have to have conference (laughs) games at that point, especially if you're going to have 14 plus mega conferences. 
I'm just, I'm just you kidding. Have, have I don't want this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't, I don't actually want this. This would never work, but it would still be funny. <laughs> anyway, sorry, Nate. We took away from all of what you were saying. No, I think, uh, like I said, I was just glad they got it right. I think they got the top four teams. Um, I think I'm with you, Andy. I think the most intriguing matchup is probably that Michigan Georgia. Mm-hmm. Assuming they can both make it in, um, I would love for TCU to win it all. Hypno Toad, Hypno Toad. <laughs> I would absolutely live for that hype video if they won the national championship. I would be playing that on repeat nonstop anywhere I went. But <laughs> and who knows? Ohio State could, you know. Like you said, they could have their revenge moment and try to get back. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they have a lot of incentive. They felt like they were slighted. They only got in because you know USC lost. And I I'm remember sure they have their. Reasons, I think but. I don't remember if Utah's coach said on Twitter or like sent them a text or anything, but uh, I saw a quote that Kyle Whittingham was just like, "You're welcome, Ryan Day." <laughs> yep. <laughs> For those for those that didn't baller. Win the 12 championship, yep. uh, Utah kind of <laughs> manhandled USC. <laughs> it was beautiful. <laughs> it wasn't even close. It wasn't not. Yeah, I think I think for my prediction, I'll we'll go with the Big Ten team. I'll go with Michigan okay. win it all. With their actual national national championship, not like uh, the, the shared nineteen ninety seven. Yeah, yeah. There it is. <laughs> It'd be a break. We all know we won. And Dang we're not it! Just saying that because we're biased. <laughs> well, so Nate took what I was going to say. I was, <laughs> I was, I was going to be the guy that's going to be like, I think Michigan might do it. But all, uh, all, uh, you know what? <laughs> I'll jump on the sword, and I'm okay with it. TCU is number three for a reason. What the reason is, the college football playoff said, this is why. I think they're going to surprise us. I'll pick them to at least, and I'm saying this way, mm-hmm. I think they'll get to the I think they'll get to the game. I think they'll get to the the final, the the championship game. Whether whether I think they win, that's different. Because out of all the teams that I think would win right now, I'm split between Georgia and Michigan. Mm-hmm. But I would put, I'd I'd put some money on being or on TCU making it to to the championship game. I think they're going to surprise us. I I legitimately do. I I don't know why. I don't know how. But I think TCU is going to show up for their game and figure it out and i think they're gonna do it but uh the weirdest thing is is that i say that <laughs> and they have to beat michigan is that right yep. yes so they have to beat michigan so i mean if they beat michigan my Ooh, whole thought this whole time my whole thought this time is that michigan i think could win the college football playoff and, and if they if tcu beats michigan I have a feeling that they could beat Georgia. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, yeah, I forgot. I mean, Michigan's played the last two games without Blake Corum and have still looked really good on the ground with their backup running backs. 
That's yeah. been the thing is the fact that Blake Corum is not playing. I don't think he's going to play no, the rest he's, of the year. He's, he's out. Year. Yeah. So Michigan has looked solid. And so that's, if TCU beats Michigan, you, which, you know, any, any Big Ten 10, like West team that watches the Big Ten championship was going to get rolled like that anyways. But right. But if TCU comes in and beats Michigan, then I'm convinced at that point mm-hmm. that that they could they have every shot. And not only that, I will point this out. If TCU makes it to the college football playoff, which granted, this isn't going to really matter. I think next year is it next year or two years for the 12 teams? Yeah, it'd be two years. So okay. next year is the last fourteen playoff. Okay. Yep. Well, after that, will be twelve teams. Right. But if TCU makes it to the college football playoff in the in the final, mm-hmm. then that really opens the door for next year because then some Big Twelve teams could be really working, and some Big Twelve teams could be really, you know, like we could see some actual shakeup. And mm-hmm. then comes the 12 team. And then we have some real discussion, which I think honestly in the college football realm is huge. I think it's gonna be right. great. Mm-hmm. Even as a Nebraska fan, like I think like there is a possibility that we could be looking at, I, I'm just looking at the college football playoff website. Like there's a chance that within the next five years, and I'm being very hype right now, <laughs> very hype. But if Matt Rule puts shit together and we have our we we put things together and it works out, we could be top twenty five in the next five years. I mean, it it's could a happen. Lot. It's I a mean, lot, just, but it could happen. The expectations for programs going forward is you no longer have to be top four. It's like okay, you got to be top twelve to just get into the playoff now. So. You know, obviously you always want to be number one and everything, but you know, if you're yeah, a two or three lost team, I mean, you're looking at that as like, okay, we just got to be top 12 at the last game of the season. And you know, you're in the playoffs type thing. So yeah, it just, it changes the mindset and mentality of, you know, if you're not like at school right now, that's Georgia, Bama, you know, Michigan, Ohio state, like it changes a lot of those other schools mentality to, okay, we just got to be, you know, no worse than two or three losses and have a good, you know, have good quality two or three losses. And, you know, you're probably either in or in contention to get in at that point without winning your conference championship either, uh, which, you know, right. I've always been, that's, you know, as much as USC got manhandled, I've also saying that like, you know, if they didn't play that game, they're in the playoff. Um, and that's just been kind of my gripe this entire time with the playoff is you're going to punish a team for playing their conference championship while Ohio State and Alabama don't play in their conference championship and somehow still make it in just by doing nothing. So that's why I'm I'm glad it's expanding to 12 because you're going to have a lot less of those debates now of a two or three loss team getting in uh, because they're not going to be probably playing in their championship. Uh, They're just going to be hopefully just good enough to get in type thing. So That'll be a fun debate to not have anymore. <laughs> Agreed. But I think let's just say I think with that we're we're yeah. caught up. I think we're caught up, yeah. boys. <laughs> it's been a it's been a long 
Yeah, we just want to say thank you. Uh, I know we'll go around and say our thank yous, but uh, for giving us a shout this year. Uh, first season under our belts, we definitely improved as uh, equipment-wise and <laughs> talkative-wise of what we wanted to talk about and how we talk about it and going on and so forth. But, you know, as Husker fans, and drudging through these seasons is never fun, um, especially how <laughs> everything got turned upside down after Georgia Southern. Um, you know, we picked a heck of a year to start the, uh, the podcast <laughs> with everything that has happened going forward. Uh, but it's, it's been fun. It's been, un, you know, I should say that uh, knowing everything, it was not fun at times for how many rants uh, that we had, <laughs> how much emotional distress and uh, distraught that I have felt this entire Husker season. <laughs> Um, you know, as much as we always say, like halfway through the season of like, okay, we just, let's just get the next year. We want the season to be done at the same time. I'm always sad. Cause like now I get to wait till next August to even, yeah, I, the spring game is what it is, but you know, you don't really start getting into back fully into the Husker football until training camp, uh, happens in August. So it's a little sad that, you know, I won't be watching Nebraska until August anymore. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, season's done. We're glad we don't have to talk about this old team anymore because they don't exist. We're on to the new rural era of Nebraska football. And, you know, barring anything emergent happened with the program, we probably won't have a new episode until next year again, barring anything that's noteworthy that we have to come back and say something about <laughs> but it's been fun uh thank you for those that have listened to my rants at least just for me uh <laughs> you know that's just that's what this platform's for but you know we're glad that you stuck through us and you know i know zach we've we've talked about at least just some, some new ideas for next year what we want to try what we want to look like and so on and so forth. So hopefully we can fix those and get those worked out of what we want to try and get some new experiences for next year going forward. But with that, thank you as always scurs by 90 and go big red. It's hard to follow that up, especially after <laughs> just the year that we've had. This has been fun. I, I remember when we all three of us decided we wanted to start a podcast and we were like, this could go nowhere. And the fact that we've had consistent followers, just consistent people, it's been great. And, you know, I don't want to necessarily speak for all you guys because, you know, you've got your your thoughts too, but it's been a lot of fun. And it's it's wild to think that in the future this could go on longer. <laughs> Especially with how long it took us to get this last episode out. <laughs> but, like, it's so... It, this has been fun. I have had so much fun just literally BSing uh, college football with two of my best friends. And so, not only that, like, this gives us the platform to do that in person since we all don't live in the same town. And it gives us the platform to do it. And then we also decided to record these conversations and then have everybody else listen to us. And then we have people actually listen to us. Like, that's wild to me. Like, the concept is just nuts. And, yeah, 
kind of like Andy said, we've got we've got ideas to make year two and beyond even better. And so we hope that for those of you that are consistent and that have listened to us, obviously we want to thank you because it's been awesome. We love doing it and it's been amazing. And we're going to keep doing it as long as we have a following that wants us to keep doing it. And uh, like I said, we've got ideas and we're going to we're going to improve this thing. We're going to we're going to make it. Let's make it big. You know, if you got friends that that need to listen to podcasts, (laughs) you might as well uh, introduce them to us because. I'd like to think we're pretty good. I mean, it took us it took us a little bit. I know Andy said that. It took us a little bit to get there, but we got there, I think. I think we're all right. <laughs> I'm a little biased, but pretty good no. for your one. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's what I think. Um, no, but at the, from the bottom of my heart, um, I appreciate everybody that's listened to us, everybody that's given us a shot, you know, even if it's not for you, um, you know, we hope that maybe we can improve and get you back on our, our board because we're three casual fans that love to talk about college football. Who doesn't like that? Especially Nebraska football. So I appreciate everybody that's listened to us from the bottom of my heart, um, and I will pass it back to Nate to finish us off. Yeah, so I'll just kind of finish with a quote that uh, Matt Rule said. It will be hard and it may take time, but it will be done. That's on getting Nebraska kind of where it needs to be. And that's also holds true for uh, Nebraska abilities, too, I think. We're going to keep growing within this uh, every day. And it's really been an absolute pleasure to just be able to discuss something that I personally love with uh, two of my best friends. And it's just been... It's it's been a great experience, and I'm I'm glad. I I wouldn't want to do this with uh, anyone else. So, <laughs> I want to thank everyone out there who has supported us along the way. Everyone who's listened, uh, commented on our Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, whatever. Uh, we appreciate you uh, wholeheartedly, and I want to thank you too, Andy and Zach, just for <laughs> uh, being on this ride with me as well. So it's been it's been truly awesome. Ditto, homie. So it's been an emotionally draining <laughs> ride, is what it's been. <laughs> We have to finish this off correct then. Yep. Ready, boys? As, are we One, gonna say it? One, two, three. If, if it's, it's a, a possibility, possibility it's, it's a Nebraska possibility. Possibility. <laughs> The internet's probably going to really screw us on that one. But <laughs> we tried. We tried our best. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. We appreciate all you.